This is the Context Podcast sponsored by Proofgeist. I'm your host, Jeremy Brown. Pause on Air 2021 Georgia Summer Camp was a great success. And in the previous three episodes on this feed, you heard many reflections from some of the attendees. Today, co-CEOs Martha Zink and Chrissy Ferris come on the podcast to share their thoughts about this year's pause. Martha and Christy share their goals for the unconference, their planning stages, their selection of the setting, and their takeaways from the whole event. Finally, they share hints about what could happen next year. Yes, people are already asking. Pause on Air became sort of a port in the storm this year as 85 of us in the Claris FileMaker community came together and just recharged. Intentional or not, this event was sorely needed by everyone, and everyone benefited from it in many different ways. Welcome to the Context Podcast, CEOs of Pause on Error, Martha Zink and Chrissy Ferris. How are you doing today? Great. Doing awesome. How are Welcome. you? Doing good. Um, my foster dog just decided to drink some water while we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> She's been quiet this whole time, but uh, Perfect. Well, uh, welcome, ladies. Welcome to the Context Podcast. It's great great to have you here. I know you both were on to share your origin stories a while back, a long time ago, um, and now we all work together, which is great, um, but we're here to talk about Pause on Air. Do you, are you tired of talking about that? Do you want to just move on from this year, or are you, you willing to sit down and share some ideas about it? I'm happy to keep talking about it as long as someone keeps asking. <laughs> well, uh, let's start by uh, introducing yourself. Uh, Martha, this is your first time on the podcast as uh, part of Proof Geist. Why don't you uh, tell us who you are and uh, what you do here? Yeah, thanks. Uh, it's awesome to work with you, Jeremy. And same thing with you, Chrissy. It's good to actually be on the same side of the fence. Um, yeah. I'm Martha Zink. I'm a principal at Proof Geist. Um, I've been here for a few months, uh, and I'm also the co-CEO of Pause on Air. I'm Chrissy Ferris. I'm Chief of Staff at Proofgeist, and I'm also a co-CEO of Pause on Air. I'm just curious, how did how did uh, this all come about where um, two, two, two people are, are, are leaving Pause on Air? A few years ago at a DevCon, now renamed Claris Engage, I was hanging out with John Sindelar and Ernest Coe. And after some conversations, they said, hey, we really think you'd be great at being the CEO of uh, pause on air, which was a super huge honor and an amazing thing. And as we started to plan the next conference, uh, Ernest introduced me to Chrissy and she started working with me to plan the next event, uh, which didn't happen, <laughs> but we tried <laughs> and we just hit it off. And I think that we have such a good partnership. Um, it didn't mean, it didn't make sense in my mind for, for one of us to have a bigger title than the other. I think that we work well together. I think we work best together. And so I think putting us on the same playing field was really important for me. Chrissy, you were you were interested in being part of Pause on Air and leading that. Uh, what what brought you to that? I think that to me, um, Pause on Air has always been an interesting and new place to try out different ways of being together, and that is fundamentally something that I am interested in um, personally and professionally. And so I jumped at the opportunity to to get involved and. You know, as Martha said, working on the St. Louis conference that didn't end up happening, and then the suitcase conference that is still going on, um, and then finally parlaying here into summer camp um, has just been an amazing experience, and wouldn't give it up for the world. It's an interesting idea that um, pause on air is 
are unconferences, which I, I want to hear your definition of that. What does that mean to you? And also that as I have seen, I've only been to two of them, um, but they they seem to be wildly different. And is that a is that a feature? Is that a bug? Is that a uh, a reflection of different leadership? Is it is it planned? Is it intentional? What what are your thoughts about just the all of the pause on errors that have happened so far and how they are their differences um, abound? Well, I think I've got to let Martha answer that one because this is the very first pause on error that I've ever attended. Oh. So. Wonderful. All right. Yeah. Uh, when Pause on Error started, it was uh, pretty informal. You had to find out about it through Twitter. You had to know exactly when tickets were going to go on sale. They were sometimes very limited. You presented in hotel rooms uh, instead of having uh, open spaces like a conference hall or a, you know, a treehouse like we did. One of the big fundamental things about Pause was to try an experiment. And so I think that's what made them all very different. And they have been all over the country. They have been, there have been ones that are around meditation, for example. And then there's like the one that we had where it was in a very remote location and not in a city. So I think it's, experimentation is an important part of pause, trying new things and uh, and seeing what we can do when we're all together in these different ways. So that's a feature. It's like, it's very intentional to think differently and try to do something different with each one or, you know, a, a set of them or what have you. Absolutely. Yeah. I think even when we did the, the first one that I planned was the one in New Orleans with uh, women innovating together. It was women of FileMaker at the time. And that one had its own feel and that one mm -hmm. had a different focus. That one was all about stand tall and being proud of who you are and what you bring to the table. And so it was, it, it's always about the humanity and about the people who are attending. Uh, but the, it's definitely a feature to, to try new things. So next year, we're going to go to an all-inclusive resort. <laughs> Is that right? We're yeah. not sure yet. I mean, anything yeah. could happen. That's <laughs> yeah. different, right? You can are, are you saying again. that this wasn't an all-inclusive resort? Because all of my meals were included. What I'm saying is we actually need to go to Disney next year. We need to do a <laughs> yeah. Disney there resort. That's what I'm saying. We are always taking suggestions. That's for sure. <laughs> so you mentioned that pause and errors have themes um, and... Um, I don't, I know there was a meditation one. I was at the, the stand tall one in New Orleans. What was, what was this year's theme in your head? What, what was the single phrase or sentence that, that drove everything that, that you did for this, this year's pause on error? Well, if you let me answer that, I would probably say s'mores. <laughs> this whole conference uh, on conference was completely dependent on us having s'mores and anytime yeah. that Christy and I talked about anything if I didn't mention the s'mores she reminded me that there were going to be s'mores two times <laughs> s'mores are perfect they take different aspects and they smush them together literally into something that is better than any of the pieces are independently you do them with groups of people around a fire it's like everyone feels good when they're eating s'mores I mean in a baggie with a baggie in the dark where we can't really see. <laughs> also in another rain. picture. Yeah, in the rain. In the rain. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, what, was, what was the idea behind this one? Summer I think camp. What's interesting is when we when we wrote up our, our opening conversation for, for the first session, I I think we had three descriptors to talk about people, which was we wanted people to be creative, compassionate, and curious. And I think that in my head that was important. Um, and I'm glad that I'm, I think it was part of what we did for sure, but that's not what the theme really ended up being at all. Actually, the theme 
revolved really around the situation that we're all in and what we're feeling in the world. And so if I had to put it into a single phrase, I would say that it was pause, recharge and go analog. Chrissy, what do you think? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think, I think it's all of that. It's, you know, being in that, you know, summer camp as a format is I think really about a let, letting those things happen. So doing recharging and, and being with people in a different way, because normally when we think about, you know, the work that we do, at least for me, I think about being on a computer and being on Zoom and doing things in a very digital connected way. And this was a way to connect in a completely different way. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of a lot of mention of people gathering together and um, enjoying and having fun with each other. And after 18 months of whatever we've been in, I think what you, you both did is you took this a step farther by saying, let's remove all the technology. Let's, I mean, you, you de-emphasize as much as possible, any forms of technology. You didn't discourage it. And we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about the sessions list and such, but you, you place no emphasis on any of technology. In fact, you gave everybody a whiteboard and a whiteboard marker to use throughout the conference. So that's about as analog as you can get. And it, it felt like that was a, another step of helping us recharge. Did you find that successful for us to recharge analogly, if that's a word, in the, in the analog fashion? I think so. I think uh, when we had planned this, some of our decisions were around a conference that could happen in the current environment. We didn't know when we were planning, we didn't know where the COVID situation would be or the pandemic situation would be. And one of the things that we kept repeating out loud uh, is, do we need tech at a tech conference? You know, can we do this outside? And and from there, it was, you know, the idea that we think differently outside and there's a different feeling when you are outdoors with people. When the whiteboards came as an idea, it was it was just this concept of we can we can learn a lot from each other without our computers, you know, walking right. around and having conversations and drawing stuff up on a whiteboard or on a sticky note can be just as successful, if not even more. And I think there's also a way that when we do the thing that we're used to doing, it's easy to go on autopilot without noticing. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of easy to be in a Zoom meeting and you kind of fall into like the pattern of doing what you do when you're in a Zoom meeting. But if you don't have those cues that you're used to, you have to be a little bit more intentional about, okay, what what am I thinking about now? Or what am I paying attention to? Or, you know, mm -hmm. there there is no Slack notification in front of me. So I'm not pulling, you know, my attention in that direction. All I see is a waterfall. And that's that's different. <laughs> yeah. So what what can that, you know, what can that give you that takes you out of your normal everyday context and mindset? On the at the opening session, we uh, the way that we introduced the whiteboards, we had a few people hand them out, and the the joke behind it was, "This is your pause on air device. This is you know I hope you know we've charged them for you. Here we go." And we did this hello world thing. We said, you know, let's 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 get hello world happening, and that was uh, I think that was the first introduction into the non tech tech on conference. Right, we can do this, and we can. We can still successfully execute things that we're used to doing in a very different format. You brought the word conference up. We we kind of go back and forth between the word conference and unconference. I think everybody does. What is an unconference to you? And how does pause and error, the, the way that you structure it, how does that reflect an un unconference? I personally don't feel as attached to the terminology. What, what I think is important 
in in that I mean what's important to me about a conference is that people are coming together. And so I see that in pause and I think that that's an important part of pause for me. It's different from just taking a online video course. Um, it's gathering a bunch of people together. So that's what's what's important about being a conference. And I think that for me, the piece about the unconference that's been important is that we're setting up some parameters, things that you know we've called like coloring lines or guidance. and but within that, there's a lot of space. And so the unconference part is, whatever needs to emerge and whatever seems like the right thing to be doing at that time, there's there's space for those things. Not only that they're not planned by an organizational committee, but that they can also evolve as things go. And so if it's Thursday at 1 p.m. and the thing that feels like it's right to do is to sit down and talk about JavaScript, there's, there's space to do that. And you don't necessarily have to know that at the beginning of the conference or a month before when the schedule comes out, you could find that out on Thursday morning is that you just really would love to talk to Jeremy and learn some more things about this dashboard. And, you know, that's an option. Then you have that, you have that freedom to, to do what it is that feels like the most valuable use of your time at that time. I think freedom is such a good word there to describe what, what that is. And I think the unconference and the part that's important for me is that there is a very clear expectation of what a conference is, and we mm -hmm. want people to come into this situation knowing that things could change and that things might be different and that that's completely expected and an acceptable thing that can happen. Um, and magical stuff can happen when you when you let those boundaries down. It may have been my misinterpreting of the word unconference, but I always felt like that word was designed to be specifically, this is not a conference. This is not in the same conference format that you all are used to, where you go to sessions, you sit down and you take notes and there's somebody using a PowerPoint and displaying stuff behind you. And then we all line up for dinner and then we all, you know, I, maybe, maybe that unconference is it's kind of a, a, a cliche word, but I don't think this year in my, as my experience, I don't think you were striving to make it as unconferency as possible. I think you were just kind of responding, it, it feels to me and to the people that we've talked with, that you were just responding to what's going on and what you felt we needed. So that happened to be as loose of a schedule as possible. But your your, your goal was not to make it unconferency. Your goal was to bring, bring us the uh, ability to recharge, to go analog, and to come back together as a community. I think that what you're saying is important, though, because there's definitely something about um, what typically happens at conferences that feels more unilateral. Like okay. It feels like often you have someone who's sort of the expert and knows all of the yeah. things and they stand up at the front of the room and they, you know, spread that knowledge and <laughs> they're just sort of giving a presentation. And I do think that we very clearly do not want that. Okay. We we want it to be more conversational and more of a learning experience for everyone because you know, you are the expert in some areas but you're also learning in some areas and so giving space for things to evolve in a in a more sort of level even way and giving space to experiment and admit that you're you may be the world's expert in X or Y, but that doesn't mean that you know everything about it and there's still room for you to learn and to improve as well is important. 
Yeah, I think that the session setup is an important part of what makes it an unconference. The fact that each session is meant to be a discussion and a conversation. And uh, one of the nice things of having people who have been to previous pauses go to this one is that they very much drove that. So even with new speakers uh, or new attendees, they they followed suit because it was so well modeled by everyone else who had attended already. It was this, sometimes they even just sit on the floor. Maka and Karnasau just sat on the on the stage and did her presentation, right? Because you can do that. But someone is who's presenting or leading the discussion is doing just that. They're just leading. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone who's in that space is, is there to talk and give their feedback and ask their questions. But it really is meant to be a conversation. Mike Ross said on his reflection that he was bringing a subject he thought he would be run out of pause on error for, you know, and he had, he gathered a bunch of people under a tarp and under a tent and sat at a table. And he said he had 20 minutes worth of talking points and, you know, it still evolved into a 60 minute conversation. So this is exactly what you were, you were going for that kind of, that kind of session, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And speaking of sessions, you 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 didn't do anything to to promote sessions or to talk about them or to schedule them. You just let people sign up for a session as they were led, and you went with it. Right? Uh, speak to that that mindset. I, obviously, I'm, we're hearing why you've done that, but talk to us about just your decision to do that. The results of it. Is this a viable? Um, method moving forward. Traditionally, pauses have started that way, where it was, here's a schedule, go sign up. And I think that mechanism worked well then, just like it worked well this time. A few years, we did curate who who could speak. So it was more of a submission process, a more traditional conference format. And I, I don't know if there's if, if one is better than the other, but I, I do love the way that this all played out. It was really great to see people who were excited submit and then promote their own content. And we promoted a little bit on Twitter just to get people you know excited about what was going on at, at pause. But I think I think there's something to be said about an event like this feeling like it's your own event that you're you're contributing to it. And so by letting people submit what they were excited about, I think that's that speaks a lot to the the quality of content and the excitement that people have around what they want to talk about. I also think that one of the things that you gain from that format is that it's not necessarily that a topic isn't valuable if it's not the most popular. And in a venue like this, where basically there was an infinite number of potential gathering spaces, you could have as many sessions simultaneously as as we wanted to. And so you know, it might be that somebody has a topic that they want to discuss and there's only two other people that want to talk about that, but the three of them might have a really great hour together. Mm-hmm. And in in this setup, you can give them that space to say, yes, go take that hour and go talk about that thing. When you only have, you know, four meeting rooms in a hotel, you often can't dedicate one of those meeting rooms to this like three person session. But this really gives you the flexibility to to say, hey, you know, people can can pick what's important to them and what's going to be the best use of their time. And it doesn't have to be a popularity contest. It can really be, you know, what's interesting and what's useful. For myself, I'll, I'll reflect on that a little bit. I did a ad hoc discussion on JavaScript. It turned out to be more of a presentation. There were like six or eight people there and we sat together and kind of worked through it together. But 
as I was thinking about it and hearing people's reflections, I was like, you know, maybe the next time I do this, turn it into more of a discussion rather than a presentation. It was nice to see a different format being done by people and the success of that. Like you said, it doesn't have to be a ton of people there, but it, but the conversation, the quality of conversation is what was, what kind of in my, my mind measured success. So maybe it's a good model to, you know, as, as people were there and they saw what was doing, maybe next year, we're just going to have people that just gather around the fire and, and talk about something and, and let it, let it naturally happen. So it was, it was a good reflection as someone who speaks frequently to see, hey, successful ones can just be informal topics and and we just sit around and talk. So I love I love to hear that you had six to eight people just join you on that, that you you, you said, I'm going to do this thing. Who wants to join me? And people did. And I think that's the that's the beauty of this kind of venue and the event is that you felt like you wanted to do that and you did and people joined. And even if it was a little bit of a presentation style, that's that's not a that's not a bug. That's okay. Maybe that's what those six to eight people needed. Yeah. Um, and if you change it for the next year, then great. Maybe that attracts a different crowd and that's okay too. Um, but I, but that flexibility is what's important to me is that people are willing and can and, and see the space to, to do that. Mm-hmm. We ended up on Thursday opening up a bunch of time for people without sessions. We called it Choose Your Own Adventure. Mm-hmm. And the premise there was we could ask for more session submissions and fill the time with that. Or we could let people self-select a little bit more and let people take walks and talk through issues together and group up and follow up on sessions they already saw. Uh, Let people like you do an ad hoc presentation. And I think we saw that absolutely play out really well. I think people Mm -hmm. really enjoyed it and people absolutely took advantage of it. You specifically chose like only two sessions or three sessions on the first day, the first full day. And then you had like five slots, five session slots on the second day. Was that just how it happened or did you have some design thought in mind with that? That actually just happened. People signed up. Yeah. People signed up for what they wanted to. And I think I actually remember mentioning it to Chrissy and saying, do we, do we fix this? Do we change it? What do we do? And most likely we just ran out of time and didn't get to to adjusting things, but I, I don't think it was a bug at all. I mean, I think it all worked out and I think that people attended what they wanted to. And, and I think some people continue to have conversations around those different topics okay. even after. Yeah. I don't think it was a bug either. I, I was, but it was interesting to see and there was smaller groups in each one, but, but that was, that worked out very well. So um, another thing that did happen that I thought was pretty great was that, there was at least one case where there was a session that either someone was thinking about submitting or had actually submitted that was similar to another one that had already been submitted. And, you know, that that person came to me and was like, well, you know, what should I do? You know, there's kind of this other thing that's like very similar. And I was like, well, why don't you go talk to that person and see if, you know, you guys could do it together? Like, what if, mm-hmm. what if you just co-facilitated this because you sort of are both interested in the same thing? And, and then that happened and it sounded like the conversation was richer and, you know, people were, were glad that they were able to sort of combine those two ways of thinking into, into one session. So I'll also say it's, it's an advantage of the physical model that we used where people were gathering in one place and then going to sessions that yeah. you could actually literally see with your eyes what was happening and you could see 
we asked people to hold up the name of their session on a whiteboard. And so you could literally look around the room and see what sort of the options were and how people were breaking out. And you could, you could as a participant or as a facilitator, assess what's going on. And if, if there are ways that, you know, maybe you can group up with someone or maybe, maybe you do just take a smaller session and that's fine too. So. Yeah. It it seemed to work. It was, I didn't hear any, did you, did you get any specific feedback around the sessions that you might take into consideration for next year? I heard that people were very excited that the logging session took place in the treehouse because oh, they felt yes. like that was, that was pretty appropriate placing. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so, so what you're saying is that every session has to have a theme that we have to find a room for, right? Right. So like like if you wanted to do one on like JavaScript libraries, the library would be a good room for that theme. Should have thought of that. <laughs> I needed a bunch of technology, but a lot of sessions didn't. It was just people sitting around talking, which was pretty unconferency and pretty pretty cool. It was just chatting about um, logging or or I, I don't think they used any sort of presentation materials. They just talked about it, right? It was at the first, at uh, the opening session, uh, two p- two people who were going to present came up to me and they said, you're absolutely right. I don't need technology to do this presentation. <laughs> In their head, they were they needed a projector. They were going to have to find one. And they said, you're right. I don't. We're going to have a conversation. And it totally played out. It was really, right. really cool. You uh, you, you you talked about the opening session. We're going to get to the, the actual grounds in a bit, but still, I want to stick with the theme. Um, in the opening session, you, uh, Martha, mentioned specifically the book, uh, The Extended Mind, The Power of Thinking Outside the Brain. You said Corn had recommended that to you. And I, I you brought it up. I, I actually can't remember, so this is why I'm asking you. But what did that book, how did that book inform your thought process behind Pause on Error this year? Funny enough, the book came just like weeks before the conference did, but it felt like the most timely reading to be, to, to do before the conference before, before pause. And Chrissy was the one who kept reminding me that we think differently outside whenever I was very focused on this venue is great because it's COVID friendly, COVID safe. She would always say, yeah, but we also think differently outside and that's, that's a benefit. That's something worth it. And as I was reading the book, I just kept hearing Chrissy over and over again. I'm like, oh, this is totally true. This is absolutely right. And there was a moment actually in one of the sessions where we, actually in all the sessions, I think we always took a breath and took a pause. And there was this moment of silence in the room. And it was at that moment that I felt it, like what the book was talking about, this this calmness and this effortlessness that comes from from nature. And so we could hear the brook behind us and the rain and all the all the you know, features of nature. And it really changes your your energy level and the way that you work and see things. One other thing that they said in the book was that as humans, we benefit when we get to offload stuff from our brains. And that's where the whiteboard came in, actually. And that's that's where that kind of clicked in my in my mind too. It's hmm. man, just we don't need to keep that much stuff in our in our heads. So what if we did have a tool to to let go of some of that? It sounds like next year we should have sessions that include walking the whole time. Like I'd love it. You know, just a mm. conversation walking along the river or or hiking up to the waterfall fall. I don't know. But I attended several sessions like that. They were very small group sessions, but uh, I made good use of the time and I would highly recommend uh, trying that out next year too. It's interesting. We're we're talking about the the um, the the oh I don't know the flowy side of this or the the 
the lack of technology side of this. And as I looked at the attendees, I know a lot of them. I've seen a lot of them in the community. They have very good ideas about how to use FileMaker. They they know a lot of techniques. They 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 have written papers or blog posts or or so they're very heavily invested in the technology. And yet they attended Pause on Air in the middle of the Georgia mountains for a week and left their laptops, you know, at the at the camps at the at their cabin or 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 wherever. So why do you think tech people get into this so much? Do we just need to, do we all recognize we just needed to recharge? Is this uh you know, but it seems like pause on errors are, are very popular for the, for the people and, and people want to come to specifically disconnect a little bit. Why do we get into that so much? I think, I think it's twofold. I think that you get to spend time with people who are of similar, of a similar mind, which is nice. It's nice to be around peers and, and maybe that's the, what makes this really special is that everyone comes to this as a peer. There isn't because we don't do have sessions where people are presenting and like Chrissy said, they're just, you know, disseminating this data to other, you know, to people who are just watching. Everyone's a peer in that space. Um, and so I think I think that was part of it is just we hadn't seen each other in a while and we we needed it. I needed it. <laughs> I've been craving it for a while. And when we did the suitcase protocol, we saw a little bit of that as well. We saw that people really needed to see each other. Uh, and if if FileMaker and the Claris platform is the connecting you know, tissue for that, that's, that's great. And I would add, I mean, I think that there are some ways that looking back on it, this sense of it being analog and disconnected stands out because it's in such high contrast both to sort of what you think of as a tech conference normally and also, you mm-hmm. know, at least for me, like what I do every day, which is sitting in front of a screen. Um, but that's not to say that there there weren't discussions of FileMaker and, you know, other software development techniques and how we run our businesses. And I mean, I, you know, I'm more in the operational side of things at work. And I had lots of very interesting conversations with other people who run businesses about, you know, how do they do hiring and how do they run projects? And so, I mean, there, there was also a lot of technical conversation. It's just that it, sometimes it did literally happen behind a computer screen. I mean, there, there were groups I saw sitting in rocking chairs on the porch with laptops on their laps, you know, showing each other scripts, but it just wasn't always in front of a computer screen. And I do think that it, it's the the shift that allows you to talk about something that you're very familiar with and that you're working with every day, but to think about it just from a slightly different perspective that helps you both take in new information from the people you're talking to and, and possibly even to reframe the way that you are yourself thinking about your own work. Let's talk about the, uh, the location itself. Um... It's, it was in, it was, uh, you'll have to tell us the name of the, the place we went. Kaplan Mitchell Retreat Center. Is that what it's called? Tell us about yeah. this, where, where summer camp happened and how you chose it, why you chose it. I think primarily we chose it because we had uh, some premonition that it was going to be both an amazing venue and it was going to be staffed by truly amazing people who would be perfectly aligned with the objectives that we had and the way that we were hoping the experience would come across. 
So we we remembered the future where everything had gone super well at this venue and decided to bring that memory back to the present and book this this place. But maybe maybe Martha can give you a, a different answer. So back in the back in May, Chrissy and I did our own little offsite to try to figure out pause and a planet and uh Apparently she was coming back from the future while I was just <laughs> <laughs> moving into the future. But we were looking for a venue that was going to be COVID friendly that we could do outdoors. And that was really the big focus is can okay. we be outdoors and safe? And at least at the time. And uh, Rama Durham is in Clayton, Georgia. And it is about two hours from Atlanta, from the Atlanta airport. A beautiful remote area. Uh, they've got, a, they're on the side of a mountain. It has a water, a couple, I think it has a couple of waterfalls, but the waterfall view is beautiful. Um, and one of the coolest things is that we had the whole venue to ourselves. So aside from the staff, it was completely our space the whole time we were there. Was that was that part of your like decision to have it in October so that we could have it to ourselves? For the COVID friendliness, I, gu- I guess, maybe. Yeah. That... yeah, I think we wanted to be careful about okay. that. And I think that, I, I'm not sure that I had thought about it that actively, but I, it definitely was a big... It, it was a huge benefit. Yeah, we knew we wanted to be outside. And so, I mean, that that started off by limiting geography. We didn't want to go too far north in the country because we were afraid it would be too cold. And so that, that cut out some parts. We were really attracted to, well, I at least was very attracted to the idea of s'mores and summer camp. So <laughs> as, as you can see, this is a recurring theme here. Um, but it turns out that most summer camps are really geared towards campers and so they can accommodate lots of people but it's like 20 people in a bunkhouse mm-hmm. and while we all like each other very much in this community possibly rooming with 19 of your closest file maker friends would be slightly overwhelming in particular after a year and a half of being alone in your home <laughs> <laughs> so that really narrowed things down right away because you know we thought that was probably not going to be a great option for most people so this venue had a true sweet spot of being able to offer they did offer that camp cabin style accommodation and some people did take advantage of that but they also offered hotel room style accommodation which seems to be the more preferred option and frankly there are not that many summer camps in the country that offer hotels as well yeah and once we once we narrowed it down to this location we met with uh, Eliana was our first our first point of contact and she was fantastic like the vibe the way she talked about it the way she cared about the people who attend and go to this location was just completely it was really obvious and so her excitement made this place seem even more attractive it reminded me of of summer camps when I was a kid right I think I heard that a couple times by people um it was, and that was a nice feeling I was I think Maka was the one worried about bugs and um, and such, but we, it turns out we didn't have to worry about bugs too much. We had to more worry about rain and power. Um, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, easy trade-off. <laughs> you know, it, it is a little bit tough to go to 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 go into the rough and to, to have to walk uphill to, in the dark to your to your place, and you know, you're not used to your conveniences. We had Wi-Fi, phone calling, and just it was it certainly took us back and it took us back to the analog. So Mm. that's definitely not a bug. It was a feature. We're all used to our, our conveniences, right? So, um, 
I always, I'm always hesitant to go to a, go to a place like that for that very reason, but I survived and, and it was, it was, it was great. <laughs> I think what's funny is I am not, I am not one to go camping. Yeah, I have, yeah. I have my own fears of not cute things in nature. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but what was fascinating is that because we were in a different space than I normally would go to the change in scenery, the loss of power, those things were just kind of what we were dealt and I didn't have room to complain about it. It was just what it was. And for some reason, it just felt different. I think it was that stepping away from the usual stuff. It was just part of it. So I walked in the dark to find Chrissy and meet up in the morning. I got rained on. My map fell apart because it was too wet. <laughs> I had rain in my pockets. I mean, all of it, right? And as uncomfortable as it was, it didn't phase me as much as it would have been. I mean, if we had been in New York City or in Portland, at, at, at a hotel and we lost power, it would have been a completely different experience. But we, you know, maybe it was the camp, maybe it was the people there, but we losing power and making it through it and enjoying that time together was really special. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad it happened in hindsight. I think yeah. it was a, such a cool experience. And it was, it, it certainly was like much more peaceful. Of course, it, it makes sense. You're in the mountains. Um, Ernest and I were talking, um, sitting in his cabin on the screen porch, looking out over the leaves and just having a good conversation, hearing the silence, but also, of course, hearing a leaf blower. So that was kind of the only <laughs> bad part. But uh, I would suggest we don't go to any place with leaf blowers. Next well, I'll let them know for, I'll give them feedback for the next time. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard you say at the conference that you you decided on this place sight unseen. And mm, that's um, right. you... But it really turned out very well. Um, so, thank you. Were you a little nervous coming into this, or you, you thought, "Nah, we we got it covered, no matter what happens." That the the contact that we had with the folks at the venue beforehand made me feel completely okay. at ease, yeah. and they mm -hmm. just were so amazing that even though I didn't really feel like I had a great grip on even like the layout of the place, I was like, these people are very competent. They have got our best interests in hand. I am completely sure that everything will work out fine. Yeah. And literally from the moment we showed up and, you know, Anthony greeted us and, you know, kind of took us under his wing, I just felt like everything is totally going to be cool. And, and it totally was. I mean, yeah. if there is no problem that Anthony can't fix is basically what I've decided. <laughs> he was fantastic. Anyway, we had three main contacts during the event. We had Anthony, Svee, and Chase, and all three of them treated us. I mean, everyone mm. in the staff treated us wonderfully, but the three of them definitely definitely kept checking on us and making sure we had everything we needed. And uh, same same as Chrissy, I feel like before the event, I was, you know, there's the nerves of, of the event working and, and turning out well, but I wasn't worried about the venue really. We had had such just such good conversations. I love that we um we were all spread out. I actually don't know where anybody was. You know, the people were spread out all over, but for the majority of the time people were gathered in the two areas that we had. Um that was cool just to know that if I went off on my own, which I did often, went back to my room to take a nap or whatever, I could come back and I could know that there's a central place that some people are hanging out, right? Mm -hmm. There was never a time when there wasn't people hanging out at the, at the dining area or the, the, um, the stage area, right? The basketball mm -hmm. court. So that was certainly a, a cool thing because we, we always had a home base, whereas like at a regular 
conference, tech conference, there's not really a home base that you know people are going to be at. You can kind of assume they'll be in the exhibit hall, but sometimes that's closed, blah, blah, blah. Uh, here it was nice to know there was a place to go. Yeah, there was a good a good mix of space to get away for a little bit if you needed some time. and Or if you wanted to take a walk with just a few people, you could do that and you could escape if you needed to. But we were so remote in so many ways, you could only go so far for so long. And so... And again, a lot of people were just really excited to, to see each other. So having those central locations was definitely uh, a big perk. Hmm. What was your favorite part about the about the the physical space that we were in? I mean, my first inclination is to say the waterfall, um, which is partially because in my mind, this idea that there was this waterfall hike was like something that was, I don't know, three or four, four feet tall and like some little trickle of water is like, oh, how how exciting can this be? And then you show up and it's this because of course it had been raining for the whole week. It's pouring rain. So it's this huge waterfall. It was just such an epic surprise. That's my first, my first instinct. Yeah. I think that's my first instinct too, but I, I loved, there's a picture that somebody took, um, but that basketball court, I guess because we spent so much time under that basketball court that was covered Mm. that that has a very special place for me. And I think that it was, by the end of it, because we had so much rain and had to change plans because we couldn't just hang out outside and play lawn games in the grass, we were able to do so much under that space. So that was where we met every day together. That's where people met before sessions. That's where people played Giant Jenga and Connect Four and Cornhole and basketball. So people got to finger paint. That's where people got to finger paint. <laughs> so it was such a cool space. There was a fire one night next to it. Uh, we got to watch the the horror video that was recorded uh, there one night. So it, we just there was just a whole variety of events that happened yeah. there that that all had different flavors. Hmm. I think my favorite was the, um, and I think other people have said this is the rocking chairs mm-hmm. area. People really seem to gravitate those toward those. Number one because it was raining. Number two because the um, the wine cooler, the wine area was right behind the right behind there. The drink the canoe. canoe? The drink canoe, that's right. That's what it was. <laughs> drink canoe. Um, but also, it was just a real homey place to hang out, right? Mm. We had a big, long uh, porch, covered porch, but people kept moving the rocking chairs. The rocking chairs were, like, lined up against the wall the whole... There was probably, I don't know, 20 or so. People kept moving them around to make little groups to talk and sit in the rocking chairs. So, mm. yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Totally. And it, it worked so well with the rain, right? Like you yeah. just sit there and talk and listen to the rain. Though that porch became popular for slinging water balloons one evening. So Sully stood in the middle of the grass and said hit, hit him. said, hit me. Yeah. <laughs> and so we we did. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a nice change from the rocking chairs, but the rocking chairs were good during the day for sure. I feel like every positive moving forward should uh, have uh, as required uh, rain and rocking chairs. I totally it, agree. It just, it felt good. It, it helped us mm. go analog even more. Mm. Um, rocking chair is about as analog as you can get with a chair, right? You don't have comfortable seating. They're not that comfortable sometimes, but it was just, it was a good time. So sitting on the porch in the rain is magical. Yeah, it absolutely it definitely transports you someplace that I'm not sure it's, there's another way to replicate that. So as long as there's no magic. leaf blowers, we're good. <laughs> That's right. We did take note of that one. <laughs> mm. 
Well, um, every morning, Chrissy and I would would meet in the at the porch. Sometimes uh, John and Ernest would join us as well, and the four of us would plan the day and talk about what we were going to discuss or you know things we wanted to focus on. And that that in the rain, the porch, the outdoors, the whole thing that it took all those pieces for it to be that that special. You mentioned planning, um, and you've you've hinted at some of the plans. I mean, was there a whole lot to plan about this? Did you feel like there was a lot of weight on your shoulders to to pull this off smoothly or was it, did it just flow easily? Um, well, I guess that's two separate questions. I would say that the hardest thing about the planning stage was the constant evolution of the pandemic situation <laughs> okay. and going from you know, May, the beginning of May, where things were starting to look optimistic and we were almost feeling a little bit apprehensive about if it made sense to plan a COVID-friendly conference because everything like was trending the right way and things were looking good in the world to June when there's like no COVID, like everything's doing great, like awesome, we're going to have no problem to like this whole new peak later in the summer. And then we start thinking like, okay, we can't organize a super spreader event. That would be very bad. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then obviously there ended up being a lot of difficult decisions and policy decisions that we had to make. And, you know, it was that for sure was really challenging. Um, I think that the, a lot of the other pieces of planning, I feel like Martha and I work pretty well together and that makes doing things that are hard, just really fun. And so they don't feel hard anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I share the same feeling. I think that the planning, when I look back and think through all of that, it was, it was fun to do it together. It was exciting to be planning something that felt like a challenge. There were times where that things were super hard because we were making these policy decisions and we're, we're basically telling people what the rules are on things that we didn't, we, we wish we didn't have to, right? These aren't things that we wished on anybody having to make these kinds of decisions. I, I think the thing that I'm most proud of with the way that the planning goes is that there's a lot of thought and effort that goes into making sure that it's a good experience and that people that that we're hosting something and that people will feel taken care of. And I think we executed on that. And I think that that's not a light load to carry. It's, it's actually is quite a bit of work, but it, it's fun and it's fulfilling. Were you able to enjoy the week there or were you, did you feel like you always had to make sure the next thing was going to happen when it did? I felt like I was absolutely able to, to enjoy it. I think that, you know, as we said in the opening session, it, this was really a creation of everyone who was there. So we we set up, you know, we set up those lines and there there was certainly work that went into figuring out what that looked like. But once we were there, it was really everyone was working together to create that experience. And I think that, you know, at least for me, that, that gave me the opportunity to you know, I, I trust everyone who was there and I, I knew that we were going to make the most of it. And so I, I felt then like I was I was just part of this co-creation effort with everyone else. One of the most awesome things was that as we welcomed people and gave them a little mini orientation as to how things were going to work for the next few days, so many people said, let us know how we can help. What can we do? Where do you need us? And I think that really set it in my mind that that people wanted to to contribute and be a part of this, that they that 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 is some of that on conference, right? That that everyone there is 
has some responsibility to make it great and to contribute and to help. And I think that's what everyone did. And I think from, you know, when we lost power, I don't know where people pull these things out from, but people had flashlights and headlamps and shared it to everybody. You know, someone gave me a, a flashlight and extra batteries at some point uh, by the drink canoe. Um, and it was, it was just so cool to see people share and provide and care for each other that way. I think that's what, mm. that was so awesome to watch. You had 84, 84 85 people there mm-hmm. and it just worked out that the, the people who came contributed and, and really um, made the conference what it was. And mm. like, I think Steve Ritchie said that there weren't any complaints. People just went with the flow and, what you're saying is we we all contributed and made it as good as we can. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it was we felt it from the beginning and and we tried to set that tone too. We wanted that to be that part of the experience and that for the new people that they know that that's that's what we're aiming for. And I think everyone absolutely. Speaking of new folks, do you have an idea of how many people this was their first uh, pause on air along with Chrissy? Funny, yeah. It still blows my mind that it was Chrissy's first uh, first pause. Um, you know, I don't have the number in my mind, but I know that uh, we had a Slack channel where everybody could introduce themselves, and at least, I mean, at least two handful of people, <laughs> two handfuls were were new new people, and a lot of a lot of the people that attended have been to formerly DevCon, and this was a chance for them to get together with the community. They'd heard about it, and this was a chance to to come along and join us. So I'm glad they did. Yeah, I was able to meet uh, Leland Long, who was there. Mm-hmm. I think that was his. F- first time at a pause, I, I have to check with him and make sure, but it was great to meet him. He's another JavaScript evangelist and uh, it was good to talk with him and, and hear what he has to say. So um, I, 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 I think there were, there were a couple people that I saw were new to pause on air. So that was, that was good. At some point, I think we asked people who were new to stand up and there were more new people than I expected. I don't, I don't know what the number was, but I mean, if I had to guess, I would say like maybe it was 20%. I don't know. What did you use from the community other than the the need to recharge? Did you reach out to advisors? Did you talk to people? Did you get their thoughts and opinions before? And even now, are you collecting um, feedback? And what do you do with that? I mean, I would say that the only parts of this that Martha and I planned in a traditional sense were those three morning hours. So three hours of it were were planned and everything else was made by the community. So what sessions do you want to have? What topics do you want to cover? Who do you want to talk to? How long do you want those things to be? Um, from my perspective, I would say that that everything else was a was a creation of the people who were there attending. Yeah. And I think that by not requiring people to submit a session and and allowing people to self-select themselves, I think that you end up getting some really good material out of that because that's just what people are excited about. And some people had talked to other people in the community about their topics. I think in Slack, we saw a few people hmm. create their, their sessions um, as they they heard feedback. Um, overall, what was your favorite part of Pause on Air this year? To me, it was just a whole vibe. It would be really, really hard for me to pick out a very specific moment it just felt, I think it was John Howell who talked about the humanity of it. And mm-hmm. I think it, I felt it so strongly and I felt like everyone was really there for the right reasons that everyone was there to learn and share and care for each other and just enjoy the company of others. And mm-hmm. 
I felt it. Um, I felt that everyone was very thankful that that we took the time to put the conference together. And so it just the, the level of appreciation and kindness was really high. And that was important to me. Originally, I was going to say community, but then Martha, you said the word care. And I think that's actually more fitting because it was it was community with a certain kind of energy. And I think that care is a great encapsulation of that. So I personally felt very cared for. And, you know, as Martha said, people were, you know, constantly like, hey, is there anything that I can do? Or is there anything that you need? And also looking out for one another. And, you know, like when the power went out, if you didn't have a flashlight, someone would have a flashlight in your hand almost before you could even say that that's what you needed. And, you know, that's a very literal representation. But I think that there was both a lot of care for others. And also, I saw people taking care of themselves as well, which, I mean, frankly, is really often one of the challenges that I have at bigger conferences is that I tend to overextend myself and not pay attention to, you know, what am I actually experiencing here? And so moving at this slower pace really allowed me to to take care of both of what I needed and also to take care of the people around me and Chrissy, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't take the bait there on that the s'mores were the best part. I mean, I was so tempted. <laughs> you take it? You I take was tempted. It. And we should, exactly. And we should add that they gave us s'mores with chocolate bark. And oh. that was like a whole new level of s'more. So <laughs> they really they really gave us the, the top-notch uh, service there. I've heard this from, from people that I've talked with, but part of the part of what the, what they liked about it was, and for me too, was that there was there was no pressure to be part of anything. Um, mm. There was no like, you have to be here for the big session where we're going to reveal the next features or whatever. You don't have to be part of the in crowd or, or where all the excitement is. You could just be wherever you wanted if that was with two people or just yourself. There was plenty of space for all of that. And when you did decide to feel social and for people like me, when you don't want to be social, you want to get away, <laughs> there's plenty of space. But when you do, you come back and there's people available and will, you know, sit and willing to talk. So um, I think One that was the, pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things that when we had talked to Eliana about the venue, she had mentioned that because of the pandemic, people were struggling a little bit to do the conference thing or the, you know, group activities because we've been apart from each other for so long. And so that was a lot of what we did with this with this with pause is we we just took reality into account and so if this is where we are all mentally right now we should cater to that and we should work with that and so the ability to run away for a little bit totally fine the ability to grab a few people and go for a walk also great the ability to throw water balloons at somebody even better whatever you need right but it was this, this that flexibility was super important because we we know that everyone was at some escalated feeling of, of what people time might be like, but at the same time, we all needed different levels of uh, people time. So I think it was nice to be able to pick and choose. You've listened to uh, here on the context podcast, we've interviewed um, a total of 10 people now about their experiences. What, what did you take away from that you've listened to uh, so far? First and foremost, I, I, I don't think I can appreciate enough the fact that you're doing this. Uh, I know it's not just for us, but it feels like it's for us <laughs> mm -hmm. because I mean, and Chrissy would probably echo this as well, but we put a lot 
our minds really go into this. Our heart and soul goes into this event. And to hear that people enjoyed it, to hear that people did have a chance to recharge, that people had fun when things have been stressful otherwise. Um, I think a lot of people talked about escaping and I think people talked about needing this. Uh, that was hearing people say that and knowing that we had an influence in that was was pretty epic for me. Yeah, I would say that probably the biggest takeaway for me has been that I had, and I think that, you know, we shared this, that we had this idea of what we hoped people would get out of the conference. And it very much sounds like the things that people are saying that they got out of it are aligned with the things that we were hoping. And then more than that. So I think that's always... I mean, that's that's a, like the best feedback that you can possibly get is like, yes, you you hit the things that you wanted to hit and even even hit more than that. So that's just amazing. Is there anything that you would do differently? Next year, there's going to be double-sided name tags. Double sides, for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I was thinking. <laughs> so that if your name badge gets flipped over, I can still see your name. Well, and a, a hole in the top would be also nice. And a hole in the top, yep. There were some... <laughs> cut corners that we that we figured out <laughs> pretty early on <laughs> and the leaf blowers we're gonna ask for electric leaf blowers next year no yeah. leaf blowers it's, oh. it's in the middle of the forest you don't need leaf blowers <laughs> i will i mean it was raining the whole time and walking i actually slipped a little bit on a leaf maybe the leaf <laughs> We're getting back at me. I don't mean to laugh at your, <laughs> your misfortune. The irony. Walking down that big ramp, that wet mm. ramp yep. around the on the mountain. So yeah, I guess leaf blowers are are good to have, but you know, I'm very anti leaf blower in the morning, especially. You know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Quiet, right? So yeah. So what about um, what about next year? I, people are are already probably wondering what's going to happen next year. You you didn't get up on the last day and announce where the next one is going to be, which was really disappointing, I'm sure, to FileMaker developers because we're so used to knowing a year in advance where the next one's going to be. Totally. I think I had a handful of people ask me, like, what's what's the next one? Uh, <laughs> which which is like endearing in its own that people were already asking about it. <laughs> That's great. You're having fun and yeah. we get to do this again at some point. Um, well, I mean, we're in the midst of trying to figure this out. We, we loved the venue. We loved the experience we had. So we're, we're hopeful to plan another one. Also, I will just side add that uh, the 2020 FileMaker Conference suitcase protocol is still in effect and oh. uh, is currently, I think, taking place in Atlanta, as far as I know, but will continue to travel the country. So that is also an ongoing theme worth paying attention to. Totally. Yeah, that's ongoing. It doesn't have to end with just that physical in-place conference, it can be, you can continue it with the suitcase protocol as well. Exactly. Um, we'll put, we'll put information in the show notes about that. My final question, I guess, my final thought is whatever you're thinking about for next year and whatever state <laughs> the world is in next year, let's say it's actually mm -hmm. returned to normal and the, the pandemic is, is squashed. We're not having to wear masks. We're not having to social distance. The supply chain is back and I can get my PS5 finally. <laughs> um, you'll still, will you still take what still take the theme of this and, and continue it forward? Or are you going to go back to some normalcy of whatever, whatever conferences are supposed to be? I think that this feeling of running away and, and getting to recharge is something that we all need periodically, regardless of maybe where the pandemic 
situation might be. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there's there's something about going to an event where you get to actually pause and reconnect with people and do some analog things. I think that's I think that has a home, and I think that that's re- that's something that we can replicate and take advantage of. Is it what we'll do forever? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's still it's still fun to get to experiment and make make other decisions as we go. That's that on conference that we like to take advantage of is that we we get to change things up if we feel like we we should. But I think that there's something special about about what we did and how we did it, and I think. It, I hope that we'll carry some of that over. Well, Chrissy and uh, Martha, thank you for joining me. This was a, a, a great conversation about pause on air. Um, if people have feedback or, you know, thoughts, suggestions about next year, how can they get a hold of you? Where do they reach out? Good luck. No. <laughs> <laughs> I you are, you are, we have a contact form at pauseonair.com, but correct me if I'm wrong on that. No, that sounds right. And we also have info at pauseonair.com. If you need to shoot us an email, you're more than welcome to, to reach out that way. And I, I think a lot of us are Facebook friends and on Instagram and all the things. Yeah. So plenty of ways to reach out to us, I'm sure. Wonderful. Well, this is great. Thank you for joining me and sharing about Pause on Air uh, 2021. And as Pause on Air 2022 comes uh, into focus, you can come back and tell us all about it on here. We'll get the first scoop of it. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jeremy. Thank you. Bye. And that brings us to the end of another episode of the Context Podcast. Thanks to Martha and Chrissy for sharing their thoughts about Pause on Air 2021. We look forward to what will happen next year. In the meantime, please head over to Apple Podcasts and give this podcast a rating and review. Let the whole world know about this podcast by taking 10 minutes to choose one or more stars, hopefully five, and write a few sentences to explain the show. Also drop us a line at thecontextpodcast at proofgeist.com to give us additional thoughts, offer topic suggestions, and even volunteer to be a guest on the show. Until next time, The Context Podcast is king.